1: Hello everyone, welcome into the Guilty as Charge podcast. I'm your host, Alex, I guess. Uh Steven is out, so this is the show that we are doing. Uh, and we are going to be talking about everything from Minicamp uh this week. So, Kyle, how are you doing today? Oh, it looks like Kyle's frozen. I don't know if I'm frozen or Kyle's frozen. Um having some technical difficulties here um let me see if kyle's okay uh i'm not sure what's going on oh okay looks like kyle disconnected we are going to get kyle back on uh but today we are going to be talking about minicamp uh so everyone says they can hear me so that's good uh but we are going to be talking about minicamp getting into some of these storylines derwin james Uh, and his shoulder surgery. We are going to be getting into Minka Fitzpatrick's contract extension and what that potentially means for Derwin James down the road. So we are going to be getting Kyle back in a second here, but maybe we'll do a small uh, Q&A if you guys want to pop off before we get Kyle back in here. Do you guys have any thoughts? Uh, Thank you for the compliments on my haircut, James. Uh, Oh, it looks like Kyle is back. Let's hope this works. All right. All right, Kyle We'll see. I, I
2: I hope so. That died on us yeah. right when we got started. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Rough timing. Okay, Kyle <laughs> is back. I'll ask my question again. Kyle, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm doing excellent, Alex. Thanks for asking. I'm uh, looking forward to baiting everyone in with like a one-hour video and then stretching it for another three-and-a-half-hour classic. But uh, other than that, I'm doing great.
1: Yeah, we might have to go three and a half hours because we just lost three minutes of the show. But uh, I, I, I filibustered, so I, I don't think it was too bad. Uh, but we are here today. Stephen and Tyler are off, they're fishing somewhere on their vacation. Uh, so they, they let us play in the sandbox today. Uh, so I am your host, uh, Stephen I. Hagland, as you can see in the corner. I've taken over the hosting duties and I'm willing to get this show on the road. Uh, So, uh, Kyle, let's start with uh, any big thoughts you've had on Chargers minicamp the last few days before we start getting into the specific stuff.
2: Yeah, I think everyone's kind of cluing into uh, I'm really focused on the defense this offseason and go around and will be throughout the regular season. And hearing that Bryce Callahan has lined up in the slot. I found very interesting. That's been my biggest takeaway so far. I kind of suspected that Michael Davis would be regulated to more of a rotational role on the outside, but hearing that Bryce Callahan's already uh, in the slot role and that we're not running that three safety set right away. It's kind of bumming me out, but what about you? What are your, some of your, your big takeaways right now, Alex?
1: uh well a big takeaway i i was concerned yesterday when the derwin james shoulder stuff came out uh and you know then it it kind of false alarm everything's okay and then micah fitzpatrick got the bag today uh so i mean that is kind of the natural place to start uh so from brandon staley's comments yesterday he did mention that derwin james had off-season torn labrum surgery uh, so that is why he was not participating in seven-on-seven seven drills. He was participating on uh, in individual drills and in 11-on-11, 11 11, but not up to full speed solely for precautionary reasons, uh, it seems, at this point. Uh, and then the big bomb dropped today that Minka Fitzpatrick has become the highest paid safety in NFL history with $18.4 million in average annual value on a four-year contract with $36 million guaranteed. So that is another big shakeup to the safety market after Jamal Adams and some of these other previous guys that have gotten paid. So Kyle, what do you make of uh, the stuff with Derwin these last few days?
2: Really weird. Um, I'm, I'm I, one thing I haven't been able to figure out about the league yet is how we handle injuries because there's that whole, you're supposed to disclose them element. Right. right? And, 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 derwin's injury was never really disclosed if i recall like i don't think he had carried a designation all throughout the year and it gets back to when tom brady was going through that with his knee um the year they won the super bowl with the bucks like it came out that he played the whole season with like a totally jacked meniscus or something like that so i'm really confused where the line is that and if somebody in the comments can let us know that'd be great because it's just uh a teachable moment for me. I don't really understand how they navigate that, but you could hear when you watch the presser, Staley mentions, oh, by the way, Derwin had off season surgery, and that's why he's not really practicing 100% at the time. And everyone was like, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Like everyone <laughs> kind of was was a little concerned and confused. So that's a, that's that's interesting to me. I don't really know what to make of that.
1: Yeah. And and, then any any thoughts on the big payday that will be coming Derwin's way?
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You can either break the, um, you know, break the price ceiling by giving more guaranteed money or by giving more money overall. And it'll be interesting to see which path the Chargers try to choose, if not both. He's only, what, 25 right now, I think. Um, I think so. If they, yeah, if they sign him to a, you know, a three year deal after this year, you know, just add three years on, he'd still be on the right side of 30. So could they get him for a little bit less average per year, but give him like, you know, 40 million? Like, like I was thinking, maybe would he take 45 million over three years with 40 guaranteed So then there's like most of it's guaranteed, just a little bit not guaranteed off the back end, just to make the back end, you know, a little bit, give it that caps cap bump um, with like a $5 million roster bonus or something like that. Um, But and then he's on the right side of 30 when he goes to renegotiate again, which, as we know, the cap will be astronomically higher by that point. Does that make more sense? Because he'd probably make more money in those three years than Minka would over his first three, and then he'd be able to cash in again. Or uh, do we sign him to a fiver and, you know, lock him up till he's 31-ish where we'd have more control in a renegotiation at that point, um, but have to pay, you know, 18.5, 18.6, 18.7 a year? Um, what do you think, Alex?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I I think you kind of want the Chargers to be upfront and get this done before the season starts, right? I mean, the longer you let go, the higher the price goes to some extent, right? And it's not just I make mean, Fitzpatrick obviously that they have to watch with that uh contract he just got but jesse bates right is also kind of waiting in the wings for the bengals joe burrow had his press conference today and basically said pay him what he wants uh so you know that's something that the chargers will have to monitor Uh, and if jesse bates for example gets paid first and raises that uh you know ceiling that minka just kind of broke whether that's with average annual value or guaranteed money then that could cause problems for the chargers and make them have to go to a higher price um I, I think it's going to be a four- or five-year deal uh, still just because, I mean, it's it's Derwin James. He's important to this team, to this defense, uh, and, and and we'll see where they kind of go from here. But the, the big thing that I think is going to play out in this contract, and Tyler sort of mentioned it on Twitter today, is how do the snap counts sort of uh, play out for this team? You know, uh, in comparison to Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Derwin James has played about like 2,000 fewer snaps to this point in his career. So is that something that's going to affect negotiations? I'm not sure, Um, but that could be something that maybe causes him to take less in average annual value, maybe a little bit more guaranteed or vice versa. Uh, So I think ultimately, if you're probably going to give him a four or five year deal anyway, it's probably going to inch to 19 or 20 million in average annual value. And I think that that's probably where we're headed. Arjun uh, seemed to indicate uh, in the GAC Discord today that he doesn't think that uh, that Derwin James will get to uh, breaking that $19 million in average annual barrier. But you never know what's going to happen with uh, Jesse Bates and some of those other guys as well. Um, I think Kyle is frozen again. Maybe he's frozen again. Um Sorry for the technical difficulties, everyone. Uh, I am going to remove Kyle from the stream again uh, and hope that we get this fixed. Um, but yeah, so sorry again for the technical difficulties. So I'll open up to you guys while we wait for Kyle to get back in here. Um, and so sorry for the technical difficulties again. Oh, Kyle's back. Hey, Kyle. Kyle.
2: I, I am the problem today, guys. I am so sorry. My, well, my usually I'm the
1: problem. Now. So the fact that I'm <laughs> having good internet maybe is may, jinxed everyone into having bad internet. But I just went on a long rant about uh, Derwin James' contract while, while you were uh, while you were frozen. So that was uh, that was good and productive. Um, I can
2: only hope it was the most terrible face I was making as I froze to just thoroughly horrify our viewers. Sorry, guys.
1: Yeah, well, you've done it twice <laughs> So let's hope <laughs> the third time isn't the top five faces. Gosh. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see. Any, any final thoughts on Derwin before we move into some of the minicam stuff?
2: Um. Yeah, I would say um, I'm going to try to shut down everything that's using internet right now to pro- <laughs> make sure we're OK. Um, I have to wonder if the reason they didn't sign him as early as they did with say Mike Williams. Um, and then again, Mike Williams was expiring. So it's different. So my apologies there. Um, I guess they did wait on Mike as well in a sense, but were they waiting to see how he recovered from this surgery? And are they still kind of just doing some preliminary talks and seeing how he's going to hold up? Um, if they are as dedicated to going with this is this is far out thing and I fully want to lock up Derwin. So don't get me wrong. But um so don't don't use this as clickbait or anything, any, everybody. But um are they kind of looking right now and starting off with Derwin and trying to lowball them a little bit or at least play a little bit of hardball, knowing that they are also they also have Adderley who it doesn't sound like has entered into any negotiations as well. And if they're committed to running a three cornerback front and then a two safety backfield, I mean, does that mean that JT Woods could be a starter and it's Adderley or James personally, I think Adderley has shown the door next offseason, season, but um, hopefully Derwin's body can hold up. I just have to wonder if there's questions about that. Now I previously thought last year counted as a fully healthy year for him but if he was playing banged up and that affected the way he was playing it kind of taints his injury history a little bit it scares me
1: yeah no i i mean i think that's a good point uh and derwin james was not in the 11 and 11 drills today and brandon staley we'll get into some of his comments later did specifically mention uh nasir adderly is sort of a breakout candidate along with Jalen guyton on the offensive side of the ball um, because he was sort of playing derwin's role today um, given that Derwin could not, you know, be in the eleven on eleven, or yeah, I should say, on the seven on seven full speed drills, uh, so that's going to be interesting to watch going forward. Um, given that Derwin was not participating in that portion, and then I, I think as far as the injury designation, I think that's an interesting conversation too because, you know, sort of when it happened against the Chiefs and his shoulder. Uh, you know, the shoulder thing happened. Joey Bosa was just like, oh, he popped it back in, and it was fine. (laughs) And that's sort of the mentality that a lot of these players play with. But it's very clear that he did have some uh, torn labrum issue now and probably played for the rest of the season like that, had a hamstring injury uh, close to the Texans game, which caused him to miss uh, that one. So, yeah, the the injuries are definitely something to watch going forward. But I, I think in negotiations, given the safety market right now, I mean, he, you know, he's the heart of the defense, and you're probably just going to have to pay him what he wants is sort of my, you know, um, Yeah. But do he with Nasir Adderley is going to be really interesting too.
2: Yeah, I, and Nasir's in a position to really do well this season. I think he's going to, and he's probably going to go get big money next offseason with how young he still is. Um, he should be really interesting to check out. And some people have commented, I see Serge on there, Um, commenting that uh, Derwin will be fine. Keenan was injured in back-to-back seasons. Totally like, hey, somebody can turn it around quickly. I totally agree. And it's not like we're seeing the same things on Derwin continue uh, to be injured. But um, it's just something that's going to be on your mind because availability does play into, you know, how much people get paid sometimes. You know, people want to know that you're going to be able to be on the field if they're going to pay you the, the big money. So it's just something to think about. Um, I personally, I I took the blame for Keenan Allen tearing his ACL that one time against the Chiefs because uh, I had just re- I was five days removed from my own ACL surgery. I was actually sitting on the couch on one of those continuous passive motions machines where they were stretching oh, wow. out my leg trying to get blood to it, and I was wearing a <laughs> Keenan Allen jersey. So I oh, I
1: uh, wow. I might
2: be at fault for that one.
1: Yeah, you really stepped in that one. Um, that that's that's <laughs> that's an interesting story. I don't think any other any other Chargers has a story quite like that one. Um, yeah,
2: I hated myself for a little bit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So I yeah, kind of wraps up our, our thoughts on Derwin. He's going to get paid a lot of money. The labor now. We'll see how that progresses. Obviously, as we get into training camp, hopefully he'll be a full participant then. Um. Now let's get to the press conferences. So Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Brandon Staley on both days, and uh, Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert were the main press conferences of this two-day period. Uh, so Kyle, I'll start with you. Any lines, anything stand out from these press conferences to you?
2: Um, from I really like Bosa and Mack's chemistry. Um, even though you didn't see them together, they both kind of echoed the same thing. We're very excited to be playing together. It's probably the best supporting cast that either one of them has played with, which is really exciting. And I think they both mentioned separately that they just complement each other very well, which I couldn't agree with more. Um, other than that, you know, uh, Bosa mentioning that, you know, he was kind of I, I was kind of waiting for Bosa to be like, man, I was just fired up because we have so much talent in the room. I wanted to get to OTAs as soon yeah. as possible and trade Kevin But then he's kind of like, oh, the coach kind of made me. <laughs>
1: I <was> like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, he's a gifted golem and was like, get over here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, Bosa sounds like the kind of guy that, you know, would be cool, calm, and collected as a fire was lit under his butt. So it's, it is what it is. He made it out, which is great. You can tell he is excited that, you know, we have as talented of a team as we have, even though his uh, voice doesn't really change tone. But, um, yeah, yeah, those are my biggest takeaways. Yeah, I don't actually the web, the web comments too, Alex hearing about web being is, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is like highly thought of as he is is kind of interesting because i i really don't know where he fits in on this crowded defensive backfield depth chart what, do you, what about you
1: yeah no i'm not sure where he fits in either um he said that he's uh sale said that he'll be ready for training camp and that he has a lot of competition in the secondary right now. right obviously pointing out um, JT Woods that they got, uh, or like Dean Leonard, who, uh, you know, according to Daniel Popper and some of the reporters, had a couple nice pass breakups yesterday. So it is a crowded room. And then you got just Sear Taylor and all those other guys. Um, so where Mark Webb is going to fit in with those DBs, um, I think it's going to be really interesting, uh, especially because of the JT Woods draft pick uh, and maybe the impending loss in Sear Adderley next year. Uh, a couple others. Yeah, we talked about Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Had really good chemistry. Uh, Khalil Mack credited Brandon Staley as having head coach Swagger all the way back to his Chicago days. So I thought that was kind of interesting Uh, and and specifically know Joey Bosa's hand placement and usage and power uh, when talking about sort of what he likes seeing out of him. Uh, And yeah, Joey Bosa, like we said, kind of really uh, tried to drive home the point of we feel like we can win the Super Bowl this year. And that's kind of why he's in. Uh, training camp the way he is, or sorry, not training camp, but mini camp uh, a little bit earlier than he usually is. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, I, I really like Austin Eckler's press conference personally because he spent like the whole first five minutes of it being like, Yeah, the running backs behind me have sucked for a while. <laughs> and he just kind of kept popping off and harping on that point. Uh, and so I, I thought that was really funny from him. We'll, we'll kind of see how that's going to go going forward. But he said that, hey, I want these guys like Isaiah Spiller, like Larry Roundtree uh, and all these guys to step up behind me. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting from him and uh, just from Justin Herbert today. Uh, He's talked about getting more comfortable in year two of the offense, right? The fact that he can kind of read things a little bit better, specifically brought up being in year two of this Lombardi and Staley scheme kind of allows him to be a little bit smarter at the line, right? Maybe draw someone off sides from the defense uh, or allow him to call an audible that maybe he wouldn't have called last year. Uh, So I thought those were some interesting comments as well. Uh, From Austin Eckler, we also had running to the right, uh, as as kind of a theme of his press conference, mentioning Zion Johnson a lot uh, and the you know ability to maybe run to the right more than they did last year. Uh, of course, that will depend on what we talked about later, which is currently Storm Norton is the the starter on the right side of the line, as we as we found out a, a little bit earlier. So we'll see how that holds up. But Austin Eckler is hopeful that they'll be able to run more to the right this year, provide more of that balance on the offensive line because of having someone like Zion Johnson. So uh, I, I think that was a notable comment as well. Um, oh yeah. And then the, the last thing I sort of will uh, harp on when we talk about Brandon Staley uh, is he sort of reaffirmed to this with Kyle Van Noy uh, saying that he's kind of, he doesn't really have a position, right? He's uh, this linebacker edge hybrid uh, and, you know, wouldn't pigeonhole him into one thing. And then in fact, in that nickel package that we talked about, he was working with, uh, Troy Reader as sort of the linebacker one of sorts. Troy Reader, the linebacker two in that situation. Kenneth Murray uh, is uh, currently recovering, so he was not uh, on the field, even though he was at minicamp. So I thought that that was a really interesting uh, designation for Kyle Van Noy as well.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Uh, Kyle, you're muted.
2: Thank you. Before I build on that, I, <laughs> um, this is a good day for me. Teresa Campos, <laughs> um, I see uh, you mentioned that you have torn your ACL recently. If Ooh. you have any questions on healing and whatnot or need any tips on that, uh, DM me because I'd be uh-huh. glad to kind of walk you through it. I know that uh, tearing your ACL sucks. It could be overwhelming. Uh, you have to make some gnarly medical decisions. And if I can help you with that, Give you some resources, I'd be stoked to man. So, feel free to hit hit me up on Twitter. Um, yeah, the the linebacker situation is really weird. I've kind of like to attribute the linebacker spot as being like probably our deepest position on our team, uh, not because of our talent, but because they all just seem interchangeable. And it goes to show you, like, I think the guy that's out there starting right now is probably one of the last guys we would have thought would start. Um, you know, I, I didn't think reader would just right away, jump up and surpass everybody. Now, granted, Murray's probably going to take his spot, but, um, when he finally is healthy, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic that group and it'll be interesting to see, um, how they rotate because last season, even though we had three guys that were all kind of our, our starting core, they brought them out in different situations. Um, You know, Kenneth Murray was kind of the guy that they were comfortable leading as the only linebacker on the field when they ran either the tight front or a light front in front of them. Um, Who's going to be that guy this year? Are they going to save that spot for like a Kyle Van Noy just because of his veteran savvy know-how? It's a different kind of scenario we find ourselves in this season, but it's not a bad thing. And then you mentioned the right tackle spot. No, I'm not frozen. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) Because I, I don't know what to tell you. Have we improved at the on the offensive line right now? I, if you really asked me, Kyle, like, have we really? Is our starting five better than our starting five last year? And I'm taking Bulaga out of it because I never considered him the starter. I did not think his body was going to hold up. Um, so even with him removed, I, I, I don't know. Can you really expect Slater to take a huge leap in year two? He already had a great season last year. So are you going to, what's a big noticeable leap for him? Being the second, going from the second team All-Pro to the first team All-Pro? Like it's not going to, he's just going to continue to be rock solid, hopefully. Filer, rock solid. Lindsley, rock solid. I'm not expecting like huge jumps from those guys. And then you have um, Zion, who I believe is going to be an excellent guard for us. But in year one, is he going to be, noticeably better than O'Day and Schofield who were solid for us. They were not the problem. The the problem still exists and the problem is on the right side of the line at the tackle spot. And we are almost, again, just trying to rub two subpar tackles together and hope (laughs) it produces something good. And so far it hasn't worked. So I don't know. I'm pretty bummed on that.
1: Yeah, so this is from Daniel Popper's article on offense. The skill position players in that package were running yesterday were Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer at receiver, Gerald Everett at tight end, Eckler at running back, Herbert, of course, under center, uh, Slater at left tackle, Filer at left guard, Lindsley at center, Zion at right guard, Storm Norton at right tackle, and Trey Pipkins rotated in with Storm Norton during walkthrough reps. Uh, But currently... We do have uh, Storm Norton as the right tackle. Uh, that didn't seem to work out too much towards the end of last year, but I guess he's the best of the options they have right now. But I'm sure we'll go back and forth on whether the coaching staff thinks Norton or Pipkins is the guy uh, to to become that right tackle. I think I've actually released their projections uh, this week for the 32 offensive lines, and they ranked the Chargers 12th with the idea that Pipkins would be the one starting over Norton. So that was from Mike Renner and PFF. So I thought that was really interesting, um, but it doesn't seem like there's real. you know, it seems like an early Storm Norton lead just based on the fact that he had the position last year. Um, but we'll see what the Chargers do. Obviously, as we get closer to camp, um, we sort of mentioned this already, but Michael Davis... Is currently on the second team in that nickel package. We have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack lined up at edge rusher. Kyle Van Noy and Troy reader as we mentioned, were at linebacker. Um, of course, that you know is with Kenneth Murray, who is currently uh hurt, but he's at minicamp. Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson were at interior defensive line. Uh and then yeah, you had James uh, and Nasir Adderley at safety and then you had J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel at outside corner. We were sort of waiting to see if Michael Davis going to be an outside corner. I know that's something Tyler is going, has said for a while, and that still could be the case. But at least for now, it's J.C. and Asante on the outside, Bryce Callahan in the slot, and then Michael Davis rotating from the second team. So um, any thoughts on those offensive or defensive uh, alignments?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just can't get over the right tackle spot. Um, (laughs) Somebody somebody commented, uh, we had the most problems after a day went down. I think Zion, it's James, I think Zion raises the right tackle play. I think the thing we can look for from Zion in week one is, can he be complementary to the right tackle spot the way that Showfield was? Um, If you watch the tape, Showfield, whenever he was moving, would keep a hand out to if he had to, you know, go and get a blocker on the second level. He was very good at first, even when it was just, just a hand, not even a push, not even anything big and significant. He would plant on, um, on, oh my gosh, Storm Norton's, um, you know, assignments shoulder and kind of help Storm win his assignment. Wherever he was moving, he was moving with his hands out. Almost. Not like don't mean this in a derogatory way, but almost like a blind man feeling. Like he moved with mo or he right. moved with he he moved with feel everywhere, which was helping all of his teammates. He's a very complimentary player. Zion's gonna have a lot of learning to do on his own. So is he going to know, you know, is he gonna have that awareness to be like, I need to help Storm all the time? You know what I mean? He's gonna, I'm hoping he's able to pick that up, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then on defense, yeah, it's it's interesting that Bryce is in the slot to me. I was really hoping he would get more of a chance on the outside and for us to run Derwin in that star role. Hopefully that's just something that is a heavy yeah. sub package that we use. That's that would be my goal. But part of my concern with um, that star position, And something that we did a lot of last year was keep both safeties back. Whereas when the Rams uh, had Staley coaching them, a lot of times only one safety would come back and and the other safety would cheat forward and have more of an underneath zone, but it gave them more of an opportunity to bite on that run read. And I think one reason we didn't have the confidence to do that is our lack of faith in our cornerback that was assigned to their number one receiver. We didn't have a shutdown guy that could kind of, you know, blanket that side of the field by covering their stud. So maybe that's something that works itself out just by having JC Jackson on the field. That's, that's the question for week one and week two, but uh, overall I liked that they put Kyle Van Noy out there. That was exciting. Uh, that'd be the one thing that I think is a really positive takeaway on defense that until was on the bench, but um, that's, That's where my optimism lies right now, I guess, Alex.
1: Yeah, no, Tillery was on the bench, as you mentioned. Um, I I guess in a sense, you could say Morgan Fox was too, uh, based on the fact that in this lineup, they went with Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, We'll see what day two brings. Daniel Popper has not published his day two article yet, so we'll see Um, if those guys probably get some more action. I would imagine Morgan Fox, Brandon Staley will kind of want to see uh, you know what he has there. He mentioned, you know, Bryce Callahan and, and all the other guys that he had at previous stops today uh, that are now on the Chargers. Um, Kyle, yeah, Kyle Van Noy, I think is the most interesting thing on the defense, just in terms of how he's going to be used, because we do know he's going to be used as an edge three. But I think so much on this podcast in particular we were just like oh edge three edge three edge three like that's that's his role right and i think we're seeing more now that he's going to be more of a hybrid player he's going to play some linebacker um maybe a more significant portion of his snaps will be linebacker than we originally thought and i for one tend to think that's a good thing um i you know tend to like the idea of of course him being a pass rusher but because I don't have the strongest belief or I'm not sure of what to think about Kenneth Murray right now, because I'm not really sure what to think of Troy Reader right now based on his current play, other than he knows the Staley system, obviously, um, I, I think having Kyle Van Noy as a guy who sort of solidifies both the, uh, you know, front end pass rush and also that second level, that is something that I think is very uh, calming for this team and for this defense as well.
2: Yeah. Well, and another thing, Alex, um, Kyle Van Noy is so exciting in that ability to be an, it, our interior linebacker as well as another edge because we can start doing Staley type stuff with our linebacker spot that we couldn't really effectively do last year. Like, picture us running our base nickel, right? Where we have two down linemen and then our edges. But Kyle Van Noy is one of the two inside linebackers. Well, one of Staley's other formations that he loves to run. Is that tight front uh, or that five-man front? Two edges and three interior linemen, and only one interior linebacker. And just by having Van Noy on the field, he can show that light front with um, Mac and Bosa on the edges, and you know maybe Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day on the inside, and then have you know like a Reader and a um, you know Kyle Van Noy playing the inside linebacker position. But then all of a sudden. Bosa shifts in, Kyle Van Noy floats forward and is on Bosa's edge spot. And now we're running our tight front with our five best defensive like linemen on the field at the same time and making a very like cool adjustment um, you know, during the quarterback's cadence. Like there's a lot of things we can do with Kyle Van Noy that excites me. And the fact that we're getting him in early, like, yes, is it gonna be great to have him as a rotational edge guy? Absolutely. Is the middle linebacker or interior linebacker position a little less, you know, play by play, physically demanding? So he can play interior linebacker for a couple snaps. And if somebody needs to rotate out, could he then shift up and take an edge snap and be rested enough to be effective? Those are the kind of things I think they might be trying to figure out in training camp.
1: Yeah, and I, I think we talked a, a little bit about Van Noise and Edge 3 in the sense of, oh, well, you know, he'll it kind of come on like when one of Bosa or Mac is off the field, right? Like in that capacity as well. Like that's just what edge three means on the depth chart. But as you brought up, like he could just come up from the linebacker spot and suddenly, you know, you have uh, Kyle Van Noy blitzing and then Bosa and Mac on the edges, right? And then you have all three yeah. of them going after the quarterback, trying to stop the runner, whatever it is. So I, I think that that's a very positive development as well. Uh, we do have Steven in the chat. He uh, is on family vacation uh, he's finishing up uh, an episode of Kenobi, Kenobi, that Disney Plus show. Uh, so uh, glad that he could pop in for a minute after he was probably disappointed by Star Wars and the dilution of it by Disney. Uh, so I'm happy he could join us on the show today. As Nelson says, get back to relaxation, Steven. Uh And okay, let's get into some of the you know star performers. To this point, or we don't really have like breakout candidates yet. It's not training camp. Uh, And sometimes the breakout candidates in training camp get cut, as we learned with Tyron Johnson last year. Uh, So that doesn't always translate, but we did have a couple of Dean Leonard pass breakups yesterday. JT Woods did get an interception on Justin Herbert, uh, which I thought was really fun. Uh, And then we also have news that Jalen Guyton uh, sort of has been taking snaps at Gunner. Of course, the Chargers sort of have a hole there because Ryan Smith uh, tore his ACL last year is not back with the team, so they are trying to find uh, some semblance of something there. Uh, Kimon Hall also got some work at Gunner as well. Uh, so those are some of the practice notes uh, before we get some, you know, more uh, breakout stuff in the future. Or when Daniel Popper publishes his article on what happened today uh, at camp on day two. And then, of course, uh, as mentioned earlier, Brandon Staley did kind of note Nasir Adderley and Jalen Guyton as sort of his early breakout candidates uh, and then, uh, you know, what he thought uh, of those guys and how they've been playing in the spring so far. I'm
2: not ready to get too excited about Leonard breaking up passes from Easton Stick. What
1: about you, Alex? (laughs) I'm I'm not too excited about it either, but you know i do think you kind of want to see a path to him potentially making the roster right um because we sort of have talked about it a bit like you know jasir taylor uh, and other guys are sort of, um, you know, above him, they have a better chance to make the roster. Of course, you uh, have some other players that uh, can break up passes and play in that secondary. As we talked about, it's going to be very, really hard for maybe Mark Webb or Dean Leonard or guys like that to make the team. So I guess just getting a couple pass breakups makes you stand out a little bit more to the coaching staff and just getting your hands on the ball. Um, so that, I think, is a good thing for him. I, I don't know if it will result in him making the team or not or being on the practice squad. But you know, it, it is small things like that that I do think over time maybe can make a difference.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and just a general. I mostly was just doing a little subtle dig at Easton. Yeah, um, I uh, I am in. You know, I just want to hear that they're able to grasp the scheme, right, and have some things that are coming out as positives, like you were saying. Um, like I'm, I'm just I I am one to just be a little wary about getting excited in camp uh like oh, i'm yeah. not gonna i'm not gonna get pumped that woods got an interception when it was off a deflection just yet i want to oh, i yeah. want to hear about him jumping around not picking up a shoestring pick even though even though those are the kind of plays that our guys in the past haven't been able to make like i think about right. perryman like jumping over a ball and missing it at one point when it was a deflection that could have been caught so some things i'm excited about oh you know what there is something I'll be excited about from the presser, Alex, with, uh, with, uh, with Staley. He said that, and it reminded me of, um, a Pete Carroll type moment with the Seahawks where they like celebrate turnovers, um, there and like have really turnover specific drills. Um, I loved hearing that, um, he had a little competition between the DBs and the wide receivers on the jugs machine where they cranked it up to like 80, We're like, Hey, I heard, uh, there's been rumors that people think that herbie throws a little too hard and it might be contributing to our drops so let's go ahead and just practice at 80 miles an hour fastballs now and we're also (laughs) going to throw the dbs into the mix and if they are catching more than you guys are catching we have a problem i love that across the board that should be something that we do way more often because yeah let's let's hold our wide receivers accountable and let's really promote and celebrate interceptions from that defensive back room, because we need to see those. We we want to turn the ball over in this league.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the jugs machine comment was was really great. And he he also said that he wants the secondary to catch more balls than anyone in professional sports <laughs> uh, when, when he <laughs> talked about the jugs machine. So you could tell he was really passionate about it and also brought up, obviously, the Herbert throwing too hard uh, narrative and was like, hmm, let's fix that. Uh, so <laughs> he, he did sort of get on the wide receivers then and the DBs today, which I, I thought was was really fun um yeah you know I I don't think there's like a breakout candidate but I do think for someone like Jalen Guyton uh and, and Josh Palmer also received a, a rave review today from Justin Herbert uh who says that he looks a lot more humble uh than when he came in last year so I, I think that's something to monitor as well so we, we sort of talked about Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton as like a 3A 3B dynamic in that wide receiver room uh, so in terms of which one will, you know, do better or catch more this year or have more of that offensive load, I think these are, you know, sort of early indications of, uh, of what that could be going forward. Um, any any other thoughts so far on the mid-camp? Those are all the notes I had, and we, we kind of zoomed through them. But.
2: Yeah, just building off of what you just mentioned, I fully agree with a video Tyler made recently where he described that, you know, Guyton's probably our, you know, third wide receiver or just that speed threat. Like you said, like they might be used interchangeably or just have different roles. But it's pretty, it's unlikely that Guyton's role will change if an Allen or Williams will go down. And Josh Palmer is much more of a like, okay, let's bring him in right. now as our, you know, number two or you know, 1B type receiver. Uh, I, I thought that was a great observation and could not agree with it more like it's that that is absolutely i think going to be the case so for fantasy fans i mean if that happens and there's a rush to go pick up guyton from the rest of your league be the smarter individual and be like no i happen to know that this josh palmer guy is going to now get you know 100 yards and two touchdowns a game um yeah that would be my goal but uh or if you're more of a day-to-day better uh josh palmer might be a guy that you know take a look at from time to time
1: yeah. Uh, from Tyler's mom, really quick. She gave us a super chat and also asked where her son is. Uh, her son is on vacation. Tyler's on vacation. But thank you, Mama Shun, uh, for all the support, as always. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I do think that we did talk about the JT Woods pick earlier. And I actually just thought because I was reading the Daniel Popper article. Um, on one hand, I was like, oh, he picked off Justin Herbert. I'm really excited. And then you found out, well, actually, Justin Herbert threw a pretty perfect ball to Donald Parham and he dropped it and then <laughs> bobbled into J.D. with hands, right? So there's always a, a high to low in uh, making all of those plays uh, as, as well. And, and maybe then you're maybe Donald Parham's not doing so great. But, uh, so, you know, there's those things in training camp as well. Um, Alright, so we kind of got through all the training or the minicamp stuff, unless you have anything else, Kyle?
2: Um, Tyler claimed he did. So
1: that's not um, good. We'll have to check in on Tyler later. That's not good. We'll have to do a status <laughs> check on uh, him and Steven after watching too much Disney Plus. He'll he'll overdose on <laughs> that content. Um,
2: I I would say um, Alex, we should expect Parham to have a a buildup to getting back to true. himself. There's going to be yeah. probably a, a month of him building confidence. If yeah, I am absolutely, I am Staley. I'm riding him uh through the preseason pretty quick, you know, just, just game one, maybe just seeing if um how he feels, what his confidence level is at. And if he like doesn't shy away from it, I would run him heavily in game two and in game three. Just, you know, it's one of those situations where with head injuries, assuming he's cleared, assuming he's feeling good, assuming he's not, not having any setbacks, he needs to get popped a couple times um to right. kind of Get over that fear of getting hit again and, you know, being put through that, um, you know, putting that injury behind him, but only when he's mentally and emotionally ready, obviously. But until he gets that, it might be like the first in-game hit before he really gets some of that confidence back.
1: True. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's going to take some time. But yeah, the potential obviously is there for him, and we've seen him pop off before. So the more confidence he gets back, I'm sure the better it will look as we go into training camp and as we go into preseason games. Uh, we'll see if he ends up playing some of those. And Because you know, uh, last year, who starts and who plays preseason games is kind of just determined by the coaching staff. So we'll see how that goes going forward. Um, we do have about 15 minutes left in the show uh so that are all my training camp thoughts uh, though i did want to point out one note kenneth Murray and mark webb were at mini camp but they did not end up uh participating in the team drills uh, i believe they were in presence though obviously in the film room so i, I do think that's worth pointing out i'm uh, brandon Saley, of course that that mandatory camp did end up having a perfect attendance so no uh no terry mclaurin situations here no <laughs> no not anyone holding out for for money or contracts or anything Uh, So that is good for the Chargers, at least right now. Uh, So we will take these last 15 minutes. If you want to throw in any questions, any Super Chats, you can ask me and Kyle any questions that you have off the top of your head. So that's what we'll use the rest of this show for. I'll just see if anyone had any comments uh, or anything... Chorizo no. asked if
2: Palmer is the clear wide receiver three, but we talked about that already. Um, you know, him being the, yeah.
1: I don't think any of either of them. Oh, Bolt Up.
2: So, bolt Up said, hockey never reports injuries until the end of the season. I like that comment. Ooh, it's hockey related. True. Thank you. Um, it's yeah. one of the most speaking interesting of hockey, things in the world. Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, speaking of hockey, your Colorado uh, Avalanche play tonight um
2: <laughs> yeah, in yeah, so well, yeah in about 15
1: minutes yeah in about 15 minutes so that's that's why we wanted to do the show at seven today to to get uh to get kyle off so he could go watch his team play uh Remember my my team isn't in the, my and, team my team's not in the playoffs anymore uh so i <laughs> i don't really care but i do have a lot of friends who are actually uh, avalanche fans so i will be rooting for the nice. avalanche in, in in uh in their quest to get the cup uh and it's um, one of the most
2: interesting things watching teams release their injury reports after oh, yeah. they get eliminated from the playoffs. Cause you're like, oh, okay, yeah. some guys have their jaws shut, sewn shut. Some guys have like no ligaments in their legs. You're like, how is this guy standing? But oh, yeah. they do, man. Hockey players are different.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. I was watching the Capitals Panther series this year and they were like, Oh, to Tom Wilson's day to day with a knee injury. And then they were like, yeah, actually he blew out his ACL. <laughs> 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 the series. And I'm like, that's just how hockey works. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, sort nuts. of the interesting thing. Um, James um, C sort of asked this and we sort of touched on it. Any UDFA, uh, doing good to this point. I, I will say Staley didn't mention, uh, Letty Brown and Kevin Marks, uh, in that running back rotation and said that, um, you know, how those guys do on special teams and the kicking game will kind of you know sort out how that Spiller, Kelly, Roundtree, and Brown and Marks group will go, uh, you know, heading into the, those RB two and three roles behind Eckler. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know who Pete Priscilla is. Uh, he had nine Chargers in his top one hundred. Who wh- whose top one hundred is this? I, does the NFL not do that till August? I don't know who Peeperso is off the top of my head. I don't know who that
2: is either.
1: I don't know. Uh, ooh, this is a Kyle question. But which games are you going to this year?
2: I thought you were going to come out for Rams, dude.
1: Ooh, New I, years do, day. I do. have to figure out if I can come out for Rams. So that's a we'll put a TBD on that. I do want to yeah. get to a game this year at SoFi, and that would be a fun one to go uh, to. But I know, are you going to the together, you're going to the Raiders game and I all really those? want to. Yeah. Mm.
2: I've, i I posted it on the Twitters. Uh, if anyone has any knowledge of getting some tickets, we're going to try to do it that way before I go through like StubHub and um, SeatGeek and all that jazz. But yeah, I'm hoping to get my, um my, my mom and my stepdad really want to go to a game. They've been talking about it and my wife and I've been talking about it for some time. So I really want to get there for, Game one, because I've watched so much freaking film on the Raiders that yeah. um, in that Week 18 game, I want to see everything change and everything um, improve upon that. I think we should improve, should be improving upon on defense, and for them to just—I I don't even want it to be close. Don't even want it to be close. I don't want it to be within you know ten points. I want them to go and put their foot on you know, the throats of the Raiders and just destroy that game. So that is that there could be no bigger momentum boost into the regular season for us than just completely put behind week 18 and show, Oh yeah, this is a completely new team. You're all on notice.
1: Yeah, no, that would be a great thing to see if the chargers can do that. Um, I know there's a a lot of other, you know, games that people are going to want to go to. Uh, but I hope I can come out for those for that Rams game. Fingers crossed. Uh, any Larry Rountree expectations? I feel like we're sleeping on him. Uh, they did feature him prominently on the social media this week. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, pretty much he's sort of in the same position he was last year, probably fighting for that RB three spot with Joshua Kelly behind, uh, Isaiah Spiller, at least for right now. Um, Sherd74 asks, which camp battle are you looking forward to? I think he's talking about less of like a positional depth chart thing and more a matchup like uh Keenan Allen versus Derwin James, or you know, some of that stuff, an offensive lineman versus a defensive lineman, QB versus safety. Is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to, Kyle?
2: That's a great question. That's that's next level stuff right there. Um i would love to see i mean we, you can kind of quarterback for safety I, I don't really have one there i'd say it's really going to be really interesting to see how like keenan can um you know iron sharpens iron who was jc jackson really going against against the when he was practicing with the patriots the last couple of years right like they haven't had mm-hmm. stud receivers So is J.C. Jackson going to have the opportunity to improve even more having an Allen challenging him every day? Um, So that's an interesting one for me. And then in terms of offensive versus defensive line, I mean, here's, like, just a (laughs) hot take.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Um, Could – could – Some of Slater's success last year have been attributed to facing off against Bosa in training camp. Flip that around. (laughs) Uh, The fact that now you know now we have uh, Storm Norton having to face off against Mac, you can't hide you know that weakness anymore. (laughs) Is is Mac gonna push Storm Norton on the other end of that? And now is he gonna? have a much better idea i mean new did great last year but we're talking about a whole different stratosphere and can that help push storm a little bit extra in training camp so we don't roll into week one and have you know uh, max crosby go hey i know this one move that's going to beat you each and every time i do it right who knows that's a big one for me i think
1: yeah, no, I, I think that's a good one to point out. Um, I, I think Khalil Mack on Storm Norton would be considered less of an iron sharpened iron situation and maybe like an iron sharpens aluminum. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what Khalil Mack and Storm Norton is. Um, wide receiver versus cornerback, I think, is an interesting one. We talked about Keenan Allen is probably going to match up with J.C. Jackson, um, but really, who's covering Mike Williams uh, at any sort of individual time? Uh, whether that's Asante or J.C. Jackson, both of them are a little bit. Um, undersized, as we've kind of talked about. Uh, So I think how they deal with him uh, going up for jump balls, how they deal with him on those routes is going to be really interesting, uh, especially because Davis has sort of been, at least to this point, relegated to the second team, and they don't necessarily have the size to go, you know, uh, rep for rep with Williams to this point, but we'll see uh, how they end up going about that. Um, Alex, what do you
2: think about having J.C. Jackson be the one to be covering Williams right now so that the um you know why or the cornerback twos and threes are going against Allen, knowing that when we play the Raiders, it's going to be Devonte. they need to be worried, like is their primary yeah. concern. But then their wide receiver one B is a guy that's a very shifty route runner, more yeah. a la Keenan Allen. You know, that's that's kind of interesting. Think about Yeah, I it. think
1: yeah i think that would be really interesting to see which which guy i mean they're gonna want jc jackson on, on Devonte, obviously um but then you know getting asante and some of those other guys familiar which would be like here's hunter renfro you're gonna have to deal with it uh you know obviously yeah. bryce callahan will have to deal with that a lot in the slot as well uh con says does golden state close out in game six yes fuck boston don't care um Miles, more, do you think the defense gets more INTs or sacks this year, and do we break at least 10 in both? Um, I think they're pretty clearly going to get more sacks than interceptions. I think that's just usually how this goes. Can they break 10 in both? Um, I'll say they'll break 10 in sacks for sure. I don't know about interceptions, although I'd love to see it.
2: I will. I will bet that they will break 10.
1: Oh, no, I, it's not a bad I would, bet. I mean, it really, I mean, if you're talking about breaking 10, I think that probably means, like, they get six or seven interceptions throughout the year, and then maybe they just go against, like, a Drew Locke, who they have later in the year, who just has, like, a terrible Nathan Peterman kind of game. So, I mean, maybe that could happen for them, uh, and they end up getting three or four picks out of that, so that wouldn't be terrible. I, I do go that they'll have more interceptions than last year. We'll see if it ends up being 10 or not. Um uh let's see. Yeah, so we sort of talked about some of the matchups already. Uh who do you think gives Derwin more trouble in coverage? Mike or Keenan Allen? Uh I'd probably go Keenan Allen just based on Mike's game, uh, and, and how Derwin has sort of stepped up and covered some of those bigger guys, particularly at tight end before yeah. I'd say the shiftiness probably gives him more of those problems. Uh, Triso points out that it's Pete Prisco's top 100. Uh, I actually have not read it yet. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I think he wrote it's Pete Priscilla at first, but it is Pete Prisco. Uh, I think he's on NFL.com. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to read that top 100 later and get back to you. This was an interesting thing on Twitter. Uh, so a lot of people have claimed throughout the offseason that JC Jackson is 6'1. Uh, and, but then they saw him standing next to German James and was like, no, he's five ten. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know why he's listed that tall, but yeah, he you did see on that Twitter video he is a little bit shorter. Um, but that's no problem, obviously. Uh Teresa Con Yeah.
2: If he's rangy and has long arms yeah. and makes plays, I don't care how big you are. Like it's it is what it is. But i mean would we like to have that prototypical guy yeah but i mean we don't have we're not running the cover three anymore where we're prioritizing just that big michael davis body that kind of takes away the deep ball um so you know being that taller being that much taller might make you a little less you know shifty on those other kind of routes so I, i just i think they got the guy they want and that's what matters
1: yeah uh, Truzokon pass in terms of matchups, mentions Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson versus Zion. Uh, I think that's a good one, and just seeing how those new guys uh, go against that offensive line in general, I think will be really interesting. Um, especially if we kind of want to keep Jerry Tillery um, off the field as much as possible. Uh, does Easton Stick get the boot this season, or does he take? Uh, get the boot or does he take a practice squad spot this season? Um, I'm going to say that he probably stays on the roster based on how they've constructed it right now and how they've constructed it previous years. They seem to like him in the quarterback room. Uh, I, I think he probably stays on the team on the main roster, even though uh, me, Tyler, and Steven have talked about it. And obviously have thought that that's kind of a waste of a roster spot, but um, I think it's what they're comfortable with at least for now, but we'll obviously see how the preseason plays out.
3: I got
2: a fun question for you alex yeah lombardi said that with the in anyone in the comments i'd I'd like to hear what you have to say too um lombardi said that being in the second year of this system is going to give them the opportunity to add fun wrinkles in that could be a little more creative maybe like a keenan allen pass or that sort of thing what type of fun wrinkle as a gadget play, would you like to see them run this year? Um, gadget why play. does it involve Xander Horvath? Just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think they'll do some fun stuff with Xander Horvath. Uh, as it relates to Easton Stick, I remember there was a thing last year, and I never really bought into this, but a lot of people wanted to be like, Oh, Easton Stick, because Joe Lombardi's coming in, is going to be like new Taysom Hill. Right, Um, and and I never really bought into that because obviously Taysom Hill is like a massive human being and Easton's stick is not, and we have Justin Herbert anyway, so there was no real reason to use him like that. Um, Maybe you could do some trick stuff with Easton once in a while. I don't know. Like It could be like a once every five games kind of thing, Um, Mm -hmm. although I don't want to really take Justin Herbert off the field. Um, As far as the wrinkle, I mean, I I, I really think having – having a wide receiver or having a fifth wide receiver that's really involved in the offense like we think deandre carter is going to be i i think that's a big wrinkle that not enough people are talking about because they really did not include andre roberts or kj hill very much in the offense mm-hmm. last year so they really ran four receivers and then they had their special teams receiver um so for me i think having deandre carter maybe using one on an end around here or there um just having him involved in the receiving game a lot in the offense um, I think is a is it's kind of a bigger deal than maybe people are are letting on early. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if we got a couple more questions before we sign off. Um, Man, um,
2: we, we we we've got a troll in the chat. Man, that's that's how you know you have made it, Alex, right there. Yeah. A, bangle, a bangle fan coming in to cast a little bit of shade.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I don't even, I don't even recognize Bengals fans. uh, So yeah, I didn't even notice that troll comment until you pointed it out. (laughs) Uh, We're just going to ignore the Bengals fans for now. Um, Teresa Conpampa says, can we get Arjun to break down the simple-minded, to us simple-minded folk, how the Rams are paying everyone, and will the Chargers be able to do the same? Um, I don't fully understand how the Rams are paying everyone other than this salary cap isn't real (laughs) i I don't fully understand it myself obviously they give big extensions to aaron donald and cooper cup and all those guys so but people have asked when we do pay justin herbert um will the chargers sort of keep some of those guys and, and keep you know the checkbooks moving uh after they pay justin herbert or will they sort of do a version of what the chiefs have done a little bit which is maybe cut back on some of the spending after the mahomes deal Right. Um, So what do you kind of think about that one in terms of whether the Chargers, you know, will be able to, I guess, pay uh, like the Rams have to kind of preserve the Super Bowl window once they do pay Herbert.
2: Well, when you're, when you're rolling the way the Rams are, so they just, um, they restructured Aaron Donald, right? I just pulled up his contract and they basically gave him an extra two voided years where they were able to stash $16 million of that insane new deal, um, onto the, onto his contract. So I mean, what people like the Rams do is they know and understand that, um, a dollar today is a lot more significant than a dollar three years down the road. So they will continuously sign people to three, four, I don't think really five-year deals, but they'll try to stretch out these longer deals and even add these void years that can help them stash cash into later years because they know that eight million that is going to be dead money if assuming Aaron Dolan retires, it's still going to be you know against the cap and everything like that. But in 2026, 8 million is going to be a way smaller figure than it is today. And they compound that with their compensatory picks. And if you haven't seen that video guys, it's on um, guilty as charged page. It's um, it goes over how they're able to pick up an extra two picks on average a year from their compensatory formula. And if you think about that, that's an extra, if that's your system and your process year over year, that's an extra eight players that are on the rookie minimum that are, you know, again, day three and beyond players. So they are cheap players and they are very talented at developing young talent. So they have an extra eight guys on a rookie men deal that are contributing and performing for them and then cycling out and getting them even more comp picks. So that's basically how they've identified. If we establish a core, make sure we pay them, but push the money out and then bring in cheap help to surround them, we'll have a winning formula. I would say it's worked for them one year. Okay. they won one Super Bowl. Right. Um, they they've been competitive for a while, but last year was also a weird year in that they weren't dominant on offense, they weren't dominant on defense. It the, that that season probably was had the most parity in the Super Bowl yeah. and in the playoffs you've ever seen. So, is it? It's one way to win. There's other ways to win as well. But um, I'm I'm, I'm going to wait to see if Matthew Stafford can do that again before I go and declare them a dynasty.
1: Right, no, I think that's true, and I mean, there were there were close calls for them last year. I mean, the the Buccaneers game, the Buccaneers had them on the ropes, had took back the lead, and then you know they blow that big defensive coverage that allows Cooper Cup to have that uh, big play. Uh, so that that's you know one kind of thing. Obviously, Tom Brady is going to be back, on uh, that NFC. I think the Rams are probably the prohibitive favorite in the NFC, but you know, mm-hmm. as as you kind of get into the season, you could create a scenario where they probably still have the most difficult division um, minus the Seahawks. Uh, But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that kind of ends up going for them. As far as will the chargers be able to pay everyone? I think we see right now that they will be Um, it's a matter of whether ownership will be willing to pony up those deals uh, and Mm -hmm. different ownerships have different philosophies on that. you know, in terms of how much they are willing to pay Um, in, in basketball, we've seen that the warriors, for example, have just been able to go over. They want, they go over, luxury tax every year they have a hell of a tax bill and they don't care because they're winning right um and so we've seen similar stuff in football with the rams who are willing to go over and obviously all these other teams are versus some teams are more conservative in how they spend so when justin her does get paid are the chargers going to be willing to pay their star players at that time you know we'll, we'll kind of cross that bridge and, and see when they get there because that's kind of putting your money where your mouth is but so far i mean they've given big contracts to. Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa and all those guys, uh, JC Jackson, who they just paid and they seem to want to pay Derwin and make him the highest paid safety in the game as well. So, so far they have put their money where their mouth is. Um, all right. We can end it on this one from Nelson Holmes. Uh, I don't want Kyle to spill the tea that he has to spill. Uh, so that that's a confidential topic for for GAC. We can't spill that, but early thoughts on this, uh, dean spanos d spanos uh lawsuit that has gone on with ownership
2: um no i'm just gonna leave it at that
1: um okay <laughs> yeah, and it, that is okay. how we <laughs> win the show i don't have a lot of thoughts on it either to be honest you know it is a sibling fight uh, so we'll see what happens with ownership and, and stuff like that.
2: the number one thing it sounds like to me is an inner family struggle over a trust and Inheritance, And I see it all the time. Well, not, I don't do too, too much like probate or trust work, but um, I've seen it often in real estate. Um, it stinks to see. And it doesn't like she doesn't have a smoking gun on him right now that, you know, it, she based her claims off of him wanting to control the trust that he was given control of. Like, that's kind of his the role that was assigned to him. So it's very weird and awkward
1: yeah very weird and awkward we haven't gotten into much on the show i don't think we will unless it gets worse i guess uh, but we'll see how everything plays out kyle thank you for joining me today on the show thank you for covering day one and day two of chargers minicamp as the chargers now head into the summer steven and tyler are still on their break but we're gonna still be pumping out the content here uh, as these next two weeks go on uh so thanks everyone to come out kyle any final thoughts today
2: yeah, just that I apologize, everybody. My internet doesn't normally do that to us.
1: Yeah, usually I does will, that to uh, me. Frankly, um, I'll make uh, yeah. sure that
2: that is not a repeat thing. Um, <laughs> I have an electrician coming at some point. And I'm going to run an Ethernet cable down here, so hopefully that'll. Yeah, mm, Ethernet
1: cable. Stuff. Ethernet cable is fun. I, I know that from my experience, where I've had to use an Ethernet cable because the wireless <laughs> sucks. Uh, back in my uh, back in my country, I stay in most of the years. So. Uh, that'll do it for today, everyone. Have a good night. Bolt up. Check out YouTube channel memberships, which are in the description down below. If you want to see Kyle and Tyler's videos early, check us out on Patreon. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by ExpressVPN, where you can go to expressvpn.com guilty to get uh, all of those great VPN networks where you can... I'm not encouraging you to do this, but you can download stuff illegally. You can get stuff, sports, all that. You can do that on a VPN. I'm not telling you to commit crimes, but if you want to watch the UK Netflix when you're in the US, you can with ExpressVPN.com/guilty, where you can get a three-month free trial. Uh, so I don't know. I just dropped all the plugs during the show, and that's what I've decided to do right now. Quest360.com stickers. Uh, Twitter. Follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Stephen I Hagland on Twitter. Kyle is at the Kyle D on Twitter. You can find All of our Twitters down in the description below. But that is all for today, and we will see you guys next show.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.